Hey guys, we just pulled up to the studio and we're about to record episode 36 of Together for Salem. We're so glad you're watching this week with us. Um, we really want to connect with you. So if you would just click on the link below to our welcome card, there's a place for you to let us know who you are, maybe fill out um, some of your information that we could connect with you and say hi. Um, also, if you have any prayer requests and you've been with us for a long time or want to connect with us and you've been with us for a long time, we always welcome those connections as well. Um, we are about to start episode five of um, Faith That Works and how to be happy when the world's falling apart. So we're gonna give that over to John. Stay tuned for a behind the scenes look into our studio after that. Well, here we are, final episode of Faith That Works, How to Be Happy When the World's Falling Apart. And I hope this series has helped. I hope you've been able to, I hope you've been able to find something that's helped you find some happiness as it seems like the world's falling apart. Because that's not easy right now, right? There's so much going on. It's, it's a scary time. We, we feel like we don't have control. There's so many things that we can be frustrated about and anxious about and stressed out about and especially now, I think there's a lot of loneliness going on. Yes, there's the, like the physical separation we're having to go through, but also just with so many different opinions, it's hard to find somebody who like agrees with you on most of your opinions. And so we all feel a little bit lonely just in how we think about the world. And we all wanna be happy, we do. And that's actually okay. God designed us to be happy. In fact, God wants us to be happy. And so in this final episode, I want to talk about one thing that can really bring together everything we've talked about so far in this series. It's this, I, there's, it's this thing that I feel has been woven through each of these episodes. It's kind of been lurking underneath the surface of everything we've talked about so far. And really, what we're going to talk about today in this episode is the key to everything we've been talking about. It's the key to fighting that fear and that anxiety and that loneliness and that fear and that stress. It's really the one thing that can bring all of this stuff together. It's the main thing we can do when the world's falling apart. It's the most powerful thing we can do when the world's falling apart. The problem is, as we talk about it, you're gonna wanna be, feel like, this is just too simple. This is, this is just too easy. You're gonna be tempted to tune out. And I think that's gonna be, I think that's a mistake because you know, maybe you might not feel like you're at a place where you can trust God yet when it feels like the world's falling apart. And that's okay, because you can still try what we're talking about. And here's, here's kind of the main point for this episode. If you want to be happy, pray. I know, hang on. If you want to be happy, pray. And that might sound trite, but honestly, the happiest people I've met are also the, the prayingest, that's a word, the prayingest people that I've met. And so we find this key, this, this kind of 
idea that brings everything together at the end of what we call the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus. He was Jesus's little brother. And he grew up not knowing really who Jesus really was. And when Jesus had his ministry and was going around saying he's the Messiah and saying that he's God, James was like, you're crazy. You need to come home because this is going to get you killed. Well, it did. <laughs> but then Jesus came back to life like he said he would. And James saw him and said, okay, I guess my big brother is God. And James became the leader of the first church in Jerusalem. And he wrote this book, this letter called James, probably the earliest letter written in the New Testament. And here's what he says about how we can be happy when it seems like the world's falling apart. He says, are you suffering hardships? That's probably you, right? Who isn't suffering hardships right now? <laughs> We're all going through some kind of hardship. Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. That's it. Cool. Thanks, James. That's easy. All right, guys. Go home. Or you're our home. So go pray and, and be happy. And we'll see you next time. Turn off the camera. We're done. It's not that easy, is it? See, when, when we're suffering hardships, it's not just... Hey, pray and everything will be better. Like we, maybe we've been told that before, but I think, see, there's more to it. See, what do we usually do when we're suffering hardships? What do you usually do? I don't know what you do. I know what I do. I complain and I whine and I look for somebody else to blame and I, and I want to fight back. But does that actually ever solve the problem? Whining, complaining, trying to fight back when we're facing hardships? It doesn't does it? See, how we usually respond to problems usually creates more problems. How we usually respond to problems usually creates more problems. Think about it. When we respond with whining or, or complaining, does that, it doesn't make things better. What does it do? It makes us more miserable. It makes us go even deeper into our hardships, into our problems. And if we're whining and complaining to others, we bring others into this cycle of whining and complaining and getting worse and worse and worse. When we try to fight back against whatever's going on, that doesn't help either. See, because what we do, we create enemies who then push back even harder. And then we want to push back harder and goes back and forth and things never get solved. So James is saying, if you want to be happy, especially when things are hard, change your usual and pray. Change what you usually do and instead pray. In the first episode of this series, we talked about this idea that difficulties are opportunities to practice either trust or fear. Difficulties are opportunities to practice either trust or fear. And we also said that a happy life is a dependent life. And so let's think about it. What is prayer? Is it, you know, telling genie Jesus what we want for Christmas? No. Is it, you know, the kind of like a, a form of Christian meditation? No, not really. It's, it's better than that. Okay, so, you know, maybe you've heard prayer is talking to God. Yes, but it's actually even better than that. See, prayer is practicing trust. Prayer is practicing trust. When we pray, we're actually trusting that there is a God. There's somebody out there to pray to. So when we pray, we're trusting that there is a God. We're trusting that there is a God who hears us. We're trusting that there's a God who cares enough about us to want to do something 
about our difficulties, and we're trusting that there's a God powerful enough to actually do something. That's a lot of trust. Prayer actually takes a lot of trust. And so what James is saying, instead of freaking out, instead of overreacting, instead of complaining or fighting or being consumed by fear and worry, prayer lets us acknowledge our dependence on God. Prayer lets us acknowledge our dependence on God, that that we are dependent on God even for our, our next breath. And prayer allows God to focus our hearts and our minds on him, to focus our our minds on his love, on his care, on his power, on who he really is, focus on him instead of our problems. And the cool thing is that prayer doesn't just teach us to trust in hard times. See, it also teaches us to trust when things are going well. And prayer can take all kinds of forms. Here's Here's what James says. He says, are any of you happy? You should sing praises. You should pray when you're happy. God, thank you so much. And sometimes you break out into song. And it goes on. James goes on. He says, and as we kind of go further in this, this is where things can get a little bit weird. This is where things might get a little bit strange. So bear with me and I'll try to explain it. Here's what James says. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Okay, great. So that, that's all it takes, right? Okay, so let's, let's pray. Let's get some essential oils on these people and get this COVID thing over with already. If that's all it takes, some prayer and some oil, let's do it. Well, is that actually what James is saying? Not really. Here's, here's the idea of what James is saying here. He's saying that God, if God is, and he is, God is sovereign, which is a good churchy word for having supreme ultimate authority over the world. If God has that supreme ultimate authority, if God is sovereign over our lives, then he can heal if that's part of his plan. See, James is saying when we are sick, we acknowledge this sovereignty. When, we, when there's obviously nothing we can do because we can't heal our illness, we acknowledge that God is sovereign. And this anointing with oil thing is a symbol. It's basically saying this person belongs to God and is under his control. And so God can heal or not. He has the power. He has the right. He has the wisdom and the love to make the right decision. And this might be out there for some of you, and I totally understand. I know this might sound weird and kind of kind of kooky and, and strange, but I think it's important to note. God does, if there is a God, right, and he created everything and he has, is all-powerful, he has the power to heal. And sometimes he does, and sometimes it's immediate. And you might use the word miraculous. Is that always the case? Obviously not. Why? Why is that not always the case? I don't know. I don't know. So is James saying if we're not healed, this is how some people might argue it, if if we pray for somebody and they're not healed, does that mean the people praying or the person who's sick doesn't have enough faith? No, that's not what James is saying. He's also not saying that sickness is always a result of sin. He's saying it's a possibility, but it's usually not the case. And if there is sin, James is saying, and that might be the cause, then let's take care of it. Let's take care of that because it's, it's good for, 
all this stress and anxiety of holding in sin is not good for your body and it's not good for your soul. And if, if the sin is causing sickness, let's take care of it. He's not saying that's what always happens. Basically, if we bring it, boil it all down, James is repeating something his brother said. See, because this is what Jesus said in John. He said, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus, give me a million dollars. Well, obviously the Bible's fake, right? That's not what he's saying. See, the point here is, the key is, if you ask for anything in my name, not just tacking in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers, which some of us tend to do, in my name. And when James said, a prayer offered in faith. See, it's, the meaning is this, that prayer, according to the will of God, the will of God meaning God's perfect plan for ultimate good, the will of God, his perfect plan for ultimate good, prayer according to that plan and having the confidence of knowing that healing is what God has planned, that's what James and Jesus are talking about. See, there are times, and not always, obviously, when the people praying for somebody have an unexplainable, illogical at times, sense that God's plan, God's will, is to heal that person. And for whatever reason, God loves to work through his people. And so he asks us to pray. And if it's according to his will, according to his perfect plan for humanity, in that instance, when those people know that, the, when the prayer is aligned with that plan, with God's will, God uses the prayers to heal. That's what James is talking about. When we are aligned with God's plan and we know that and we're confident in that, God can use our prayers to heal people. But the main point, that's, see, people get lost in all of that stuff, and I think it's important that we explain it. But the main point of this passage, what James is talking about, is this, what he says next. He says, confess your sins to each other. Okay, what you got? Just pause, turn to your person you're talking with, and tell them all the bad stuff you've done. I'm just kidding. That's not what we're talking about. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James is basically saying prayer is a team sport. Prayer is something that we need to do together. It shouldn't just be done alone. If you want to be happy, pray with and for others. If you want to be happy, pray with and pray for others. And yeah, it's good to have a private prayer life where you are personally talking to God and Jesus talks about going into a closet and having your own time with God and being honest about what you feel you need, what you're, what you're upset about, what's challenging you, that type of thing. But prayer also needs to be done in a community of people who are committed to each other. That's what James is saying. See, when we pray for each other, when we pray with each other, we encourage each other to rely on God. And we also remind each other that because of Jesus, our sins can be and are forgiven. That's what James is talking about. See, remember, we talked about this a few episodes ago. We are happiest when we focus on others. And it's the same with prayer. Prayer is proof we care. Prayer is proof we care. If we think about it, if we really care about someone, and we trust that God hears us, that there is a God, that he hears us, that he cares about us, that he's powerful enough to do things in our lives, then when we pray, why wouldn't we pray for people? Why wouldn't we pray with them about things that they're going through? 
And so, but yeah, but John, I, I, I paid attention to that verse. And it said the prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. You don't, you know, you don't know me. Is he talking about like this, this holy monk who sits in the temple or the synagogue or the, the cathedral and is, is always just focused on prayer? No, he's not. See, a righteous person is someone who's committed to God. Someone who's committed to seeking his perfect plan for our world. Basically, a righteous person in New Testament language is someone who follows Jesus. Someone who has been given Jesus' righteousness. See, that's kind of the whole idea that we have this, this sin, this hurt that we've caused others. But Jesus lived a perfect life and died to pay for those, the penalty for those sins. And he gives us that perfect life, that righteousness, that right standing before God, that perfect relationship with God. And so anybody who is a Jesus follower is that righteous person. See, this prayer that can't accomplish much is available to all Jesus followers, not just a select few special holy monk type people. In fact, it is the privilege and responsibility of every Jesus follower to pray for others. That's what James is saying. It is the privilege and responsibility of every Jesus follower to pray for others and especially to pray for each other. See, the, the full experience of trusting, of a, of a trusting prayer that produces happiness, it can't just be done alone. Prayer alone is a very important aspect, but to have the full, the full idea of it, to actually really have it bring that lasting, reliable happiness, it needs to be done with others. And so what do we do? How do we actually do, how do we do all this? Good question. Step one, pray. Like, actually pray. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you've only prayed when you were in school and you had that test you didn't study for and you prayed, God, please help me pass this test, even though I didn't study. And he's like, well, you should have studied. You're not going to pass. <laughs> You're like, oh, there is no God. No, no, you just didn't study. So pray, try it. There's no, there's no magic words to prayer. That's why I'm not writing down a prayer for you or anything like that. There's no magic words. If it's your first time or you're a little uncomfortable and you don't have to do this part with others, just say, God, I, and maybe this is you, I don't even know if you're really there, but I want to know. I want to, I want to try to trust you. So if you are, God, thank you for what you've given me. Here's what I'm dealing with. And tell him. It's not a surprise. And here's what my friend is going through. Maybe you know a need that your friend has. Tell him that. Again, it's not a surprise, but he wants to hear. So I don't know if you're really there, but if you are, thank you for what you've given me. Here's what I'm dealing with, and here's what my friend's dealing with. So pray. And then pray thankfully. See, when we pray, and Jesus followers do this a lot, when we pray, we can pray ourselves and if you've been a cross Greek person, you've maybe heard this before, we can pray ourselves into a pit of despair. Where am I? The pit of despair. We can pray ourselves into this cycle of even more worry and more stress. Oh God, help me. This is so hard. This hurts so much. Why me? Why do I have to go through this? This is, this is not fair. This is so bad. Oh God, help me or I'm going to die. See, we keep praying like that and it just goes spiraling down, down, down. Instead of praying that way, we can pray thankfully. We can start with, I'm thankful for this. Thank you for this. Even if it's silly, even if it seems like a tiny thing to you, is a good practice to start with, thank you. 
Thank you for what you've given me. In fact, this is, you know, thank you for, for loving me. Thank you for promising to take care of me. Thank you for being in control. And even if this doesn't go the way I want it to go, and we're acknowledging that maybe we don't know what's best for our future, even if it doesn't go the way I want it to, thank you that I can still trust you. It's what the Apostle Paul said in, when he wrote the letter of Philippians. He said, don't worry about anything. That's easy to say. Paul was like almost killed a few times, and he was actually executed by Emperor Nero. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Another translation says, pray with thanksgiving. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So yeah, pray and pray thankfully. And then pray selflessly. Think about it. If you have prayed or you're thinking about praying or you are a prayer, if God answered every one of your prayers, yes. He just, whatever you ask for, he gives you. Would anyone else's life be improved besides your own? Well, yeah, of course. My kids would have way more money. And they'd be in a bigger house. My kids would be great. That's not what I'm talking about. Would anyone in your circle have an improved life? Know love more. Be less lonely. Be less anxious. Because God said yes to your prayer for them. Are you praying for others? See, remember, prayer is showing that we care. So care with your prayer. Care with your prayer. Pray for others. And a little side note. Very interesting side note for our time right now, especially if you're a Jesus follower and maybe you're feeling a little anxious about your future. The first Jesus followers, when we read their prayer in Acts, actually Acts 4, you can check it out, they, and they're like threatened with beatings and arrest and that type of stuff for following Jesus. They didn't pray for deliverance from that. They actually prayed for endurance. Not that God would take it away, but that as they're in it, God would give them endurance, not just so they'd feel better, but actually so others would know the peace and the joy and the love of Jesus. That's something to think about. Check out Acts 4 and see, see what I'm talking about. So pray, pray thankfully, pray selflessly, and pray together. Maybe you're in a connect group. Take some time and actually, maybe at the very beginning of your group, pray for each other. Find a friend if you're not in a group or even if you are. Find a friend to pray with or a family member to pray with. Share the things you are dealing with, whether it's, you know, stress or work or kids or school or whatever. Whatever is challenging you right now, share that. And then commit for a week, just a week, to pray for each other. Share with somebody and then commit for a week to pray about those challenges for each other. You don't have to do it with each other in person if that's uncomfortable, but throughout the week you could even text them and say, hey, I'm praying for you right now. And let them know that you are praying for them because you've agreed to that. And then at the end of the week, check on how things are going. And if you want, you can add to the list. You can celebrate what God's done through those prayers. You can continue if you want. You can keep that going. But the commitment for now is, is just a week. Just try it for a week. And if you want, we as a staff and as a church, we love to pray for people. You can email us right here, here, and let us know if you, there's any way we can pray for you and pray with you. We would love to do that. And another side note, if you're married, husbands, wives, you don't have to listen to this. You can tune out for like 10 seconds. Husbands, there is something, and I don't know what it is, but there is something amazing that happens when your wife sees and actually hears you praying for her. I don't, it's, there's something amazing that happens in the relationship 
when your wife sees you and hears you talking to God on her behalf. And, I'm, and it, it, I think it goes both ways for both spouses. So try that too. But think about it. If what Jesus said and if what Jesus showed us is true, that there is a God who loves us, that there is a God who sees us and hears us, and that we can have instant access to the creator of the universe and the creator of every dimension there is just by talking to him. That's mind-blowing. That's just like, <clears throat> think about that. If what Jesus said is true, we have access to the creator of every dimension simply by talking to him, simply by even thinking to him. If that's true, what would stop us? Why would we see prayers, well, at least I can pray. Why wouldn't that be like our main thing that we are always doing, especially when it seems like the world's falling apart? See, if Jesus was right, and he wasn't a crazy liar, because those are really our three options. Either he was right about being God, he was crazy, or he was an evil liar. Take your pick. But if he was right, then prayer is the most powerful force for good in the world. If Jesus was right, and I believe he was because he said, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise myself back from the dead to life again, and then he actually did it, that's why I believe he was right. If he was right, then prayer is the most powerful force for good in the world. So we should probably pray. So my final question as we wrap up this entire series, who are you relying on? When it seems like the world's falling apart, who are you relying on? Are you relying on yourself? Are you relying on the government to make your life better and just making you really anxious that things aren't maybe going the way you want or whatever? Are you relying on money? Maybe you didn't put it in those terms, but you're starting to realize, yeah, I was kind of worried about what was going to happen with my finances through all this. What you worry about maybe is what you were relying on. But who are you relying on? Or Maybe it's none of those things, and you're just relying on, hopefully, wishing for a better future. Hopefully 2021 will be better, and we'll just get through this. There's something so much better than just wishful thinking. See, why not try relying on the only reliable person in history? The one who predicted his death and resurrection, and then actually accomplished it. The one who promises to never let you go. The person, the one who, who calmed a storm just by saying, knock it off. And the waves were like, oh, sorry and he's calmed. Why not talk to him about your concerns? Why not talk to him about your joy and your challenges? And then put, and put that reliance into practice by actually praying to him. See, when the world is falling apart, prayer is the most reliable path to happiness. When the world is falling apart, prayer is the most reliable path to happiness. So let's try it. Let's pray. Let's tell God thank you for what he's done and tell him what we feel is challenging us and then rely on him that he hears us, that he loves us, and that he will do something about it. Thanks, John. That's a really good reminder that we don't have to be um, praying alone. We can be praying for each other, and most definitely it feels better to be um, able to pray for others. 
Um, don't forget the link below in our comments that we have a card. You can put your prayer requests on that and we will be praying for you specifically. Um, now Monica gets to share some fun news with us. Yep, that's right. I have a lot of fun news, and um, but first I just want to say you guys are getting a behind the scenes look. Liz told you earlier, this is our studio, it's my garage. We actually call it the quarantine cave, so welcome. There's John over there, hanging out. There's Liz on her couch. Hello everybody. Oh, that's so meta, look at that. All right, so we've got some really, we've got a few cool announcements. The first thing I want to say is last week we did a, a comments contest kind of thing as a giveaway. So we're giving over $200 away to Every Child Oregon, which is a nonprofit organization here in Oregon that helps foster families and some of the most vulnerable people in our community. So we're really excited. Thank you to everybody who commented. Some of you commented multiple times. Jeremy, I'm talking to you. So thank you so much. Um, if you guys haven't followed our social media, go ahead and do that. Um, usually there's some fun contests and there's another fun contest coming up this week. We're gonna give away $25 to Geppetto's Italian food. It's over on Yum. Lancaster Drive in Salem, Oregon. Super good. They make their own raviolis, you guys. Like, wow. Yeah. I love so, pasta, so. I know, there's <laughs> nothing better than a good pasta. So check out Geppetto's, give them a follow on, um, on their social media. They're very active on social media. They do these really cool like Stardate Geppetto's logs and they have been documenting mm -hmm. their whole COVID journey. It's really cool. So we mm -hmm. wanna support them. We're gonna give away $25. You just need to follow us on social media and we will have a contest coming up early this week. So there's Very that. Cool. And the last thing I wanna say uh, that I have for you guys is our pajama drive. Our For Salem November opportunity is we are gonna be donating pajamas and it's super easy. You just go to the website you see on the screen there or in the show notes and there's a link to buy pajamas for a bunch of really great organizations that need our help. It's a great way to serve our community. So check out that link and I'm gonna give it over to Liz now. Perfect. Yeah, we are, we're happy you guys watched with us today. And don't forget that we have kids content in the links below as well. Um, so your kiddos can be watching and doing things that are um, geared for them. And then um, we just hope to see you next week.